Welcome to the Pitch Vision Academy Cricket Show, your guide to better cricket. It's half an hour or so where we help you out, whether you're a player or whether you're a coach. Hopefully we've got some useful information for you. My name's David Hinchliffe. I look after things and helping me to help you are two very fine cricket coaches. The first is the Director of Cricket at Millfield School. It's Mark Garraway. Hello, Garraway. You're not at Millfield today, are you? I'm not. I'm in sunny Spain today, actually, uh, which is brilliant fun. We're uh, practicing cricket at uh, Desert Springs. It's uh, the Tom Maynard Cricket Academy. So we've got 12 young young cricketers. When I say young, I mean young professionals that are out with us with Matthew Maynard, Ian Harvey, Mark Wallace, uh, Jamie Darrumple, um and myself uh, and Dean Conway from England days. Um, yeah, it's been been really good. We've got uh, we had our last practice, literally just finished that five minutes ago, and um, we go into a game taking on the Spanish national side tomorrow. Oh, magnificent! Well, it was 12 degrees here in Glasgow yesterday, so uh, you know there you go. It's uh, obviously rubbing off. Secondly, it's the head of cricket performance at Portsmouth Grammar School. It's Sam Lavery. Hello, Lavers. How's it going? Yeah, very well. How are you? Very good, thanks. Uh, as I say, we had some sunshine yesterday, so uh, enjoying life. Enjoying life and uh, getting lots of cricket yeah. in. Uh, even, someone even suggested we go outside yesterday, so uh, how about that? Yeah, we had, the same, we had the same discussion this morning, actually, where we had, uh, we had a session before school and, and it was thrown into the mix. Let's go outside, do some catching, and then let's try and get out on the Astro and get some, get some work done on there. So it won't be long. This week, maybe. Next week, probably, I think. Uh, speaking of practice, um, there was is someone uh, we get to talk about a lot on this show, and I think because he has strong opinions and he and he and he holds them forcefully. Uh, Steph Jones was talking about bowl, coaching bowlers again, and he was talking about the middle ground of coaching bowlers. Um, when uh, you ask a bowler to go into the nets and and bowl for forty minutes, an hour perhaps, to batsmen. Um, and they don't necessarily give it their all and they're not necessarily focusing on anything specific and um, it, it, what it does is, according to Steph, it reduces their ability to bowl fast and it reduces their ability to uh, to, to do the job uh, as well as they can do it. So how easy, I suppose, is, do you agree with that, first of all? And secondly, how easy is it to put something like that into action and and, and have a session where... The bowlers aren't necessarily overworked or, or or even underworked, but the batsmen can still get some stuff done as well. Or in you know, in one of these squad or group style sessions that you see, you still want to get the pace bowlers doing their thing. Yeah, I think I think there is something in it actually, and I, I've heard Steph talk about this on numerous occasions, both in presentation way, but also you know around tables and um, uh, listening to him talk to mates about stuff. And I, I think there's probably something in it. I've got nothing to back that up other than Stefan's view, but knowing most things about Stefan's view, there is an element of research and uh, behind that. So I get it. Um, I think management and nets is is a fascinating one, isn't it? And uh, just thinking about what we've done over here the last week, we're obviously building up to the season. We've got a number of seam bowlers here, uh, and we built them up through the week building in rest periods but uh, building up their spells as they've gone through so all the bowlers today had two spells which were split so they had to bowl for for a period of time of say 20 minutes then come back after a 25 minute where they're either having a battle doing some field and then come and do it again trying to replicate um, what you're going to get in matches but each of those two blocks were very different so they bowled with newer balls in the first bit and then they bowled at the back end 
uh, with older balls and tried to simulate different parts of the game uh, under some really, not instruction, but, you know, this is what the batters are going to do in this period. This is what the uh, conditions are. These are the type of balls that you're going to be bowling with. And it was very specific. And I think the practice um, was magnificent as a result. So a real purpose to what they did in today's net session. And, and that's something that I try and take in uh, to all of the net sessions that we, we put on for the, for the players. And Levis, where do you come from on this front? When you're talking about a squad session, what, how do you approach it? Yeah, I guess it depends on what the focus of the session is and what we're achieving that session. And um, we're quite fortunate, and numbers-wise, we do quite well for bowlers. So um, I can completely sympathise with with those groups who maybe have two or three seamers, and there are still uh, eight or ten people who want to face them. And, and then spreading that opportunity out gets um, quite tricky. So our position is we we can often have three in a net with two bowling, one resting, or, or four in a net, two bowling, two resting, um, bowling an over or two overs at a time. So that works quite well and that becomes quite manageable. Um, the other thing that we've tried to kind of encourage within the group is that those people who sort of perceive themselves to be non-bowlers or, or maybe don't get a lot of opportunity can offer a little bit more just by by either throwing or side-arming and bring an extra pace option. So trying to create... A similar experience is, is what we're, we try and do, even if, when the uh, the ideal isn't there. And, and, and that's going to be the case for most, isn't it? You're not going to get your premier fast bowler to be able to deliver um, the kind of quality that's going to be a benefit to him and a benefit to the batters for a number of batsmen throughout an evening or throughout a session, sorry, uh, every single time that there's a session going on. So it's going to be more of a case of how can you manage it and how can you get the best the best compromise from uh, from the, the tools that you've got available and I guess everyone's slightly different in that regard but definitely try and get people involved and people offer something similar um, whether it's uh, them running in a throwing or them or, or, or see similarly side arming um, I think the bowlers in the sessions are often seen as a, a tool to facilitate the batters and that shouldn't be the case the bowlers are there to do their own thing they're there to work on their own skills and they can't be getting quicker if they're bowling for an hour and a quarter without stopping, can they? No, and it'll always, you know, you'll always get that sort of default position of, you know, if you're not if you're not carefully thinking about it and working through it, then you will always get back to that default of, oh, okay, well, it's not my turn to bat, so I'm just going to bowl. And then, you know, if you have your 15 minutes batting, 10 minutes batting, even if you're thinking about a club session, uh, and then you're bowling for the rest of the time, you know, that probably isn't good if you're talking about a developing fast bowler. So, you know, that perhaps certain people have to be managed a little bit more than others purely because you want to get the most out of them. Whereas if someone is, uh, you know, if you're talking about a club session, you know, somebody is a net bowler, they don't bowl very much in games, but, you know, they get out the other end, you know, without too many problems, then, um, you know, you might want to sort of dig in with those guys a little bit more and maybe manage your your sort of nasty fast bowlers, uh, the ones where you want to get absolutely every um, mile an hour out of them. Perhaps you can do a little bit more management around them. But yeah, it's a bit, it's it's sort of just an interesting um, puzzle of resource management where you need to work out what the best thing is for the type of players that you've got, isn't it? And I guess that's one of the things that that uh, a coach, a good coach, can do well is to sort of keep everybody happy and keep everybody working in the way that's best for them. Uh, sometimes you get it wrong. 
I know I do. <laughs> but, you know, you just keep trying, don't you? <laughs> can always get that right. I think it's impossible to, to always get that right. But to learn from it every time that you make that little error, um, you know, in terms of volume or what you ask people to do and, uh, is a really important thing. So uh, we're not perfect. We never will be. But, uh, you know, we try and be as good as we can and learn from our, our little mistakes or little errors. Let's move on to some questions now. Questions sent in by listeners to the show and the best question of the week wins a prize. And that prize is an online coaching course from Pitch Vision Academy at pitchvision.com. And that is exactly what uh, Deepak has done. Uh, Deepak has sent a message into coach at pitchvision.com or he could have used social media. We'll tell you about that towards the end of the show. But he's emailed in and uh, it's a simple question, but a, a good one, I think. And that is, is 16 too young to become a coach uh, no I don't think it is and, and in many ways uh, uh, people start coaching at 16 or before 16 because I think you know when we're messing about in the nets with mates and we're providing them with feedback um, you know when you're in the in the nets bowling and batting against each other um, you're also coaching them then despite the fact that you maybe haven't been on a course or you haven't got a certificate or whatever uh, you know, we're, we're all coaches for a very long time, really. So the answer is get involved, definitely. But all I would say is the more you can learn now will help other people's games in the future, yes. But also it might help your own game. And the only thing about going into coaching too young, I think, is that you leave potentially a lot of games out on the pitch that you haven't necessarily played in. So um, uh, I would encourage you to keep playing. If, you, if you're a player now, keep playing. Um, get as much experience and enjoyment from playing yourself. Um, do a bit of voluntary coaching, helping people out in the nets, even at your own training sessions where you're playing in, um, and, and all of that. But it's a long time to be retired from playing. If you're going to retire at 16, would be my first bit of advice, um, because it's a great, great game to play. But, but more importantly, going back to your question, 16 is it too young? Of course, it isn't. Um, I did my first coaching. Uh, badge at 16 I only got a certificate when I was 18 uh, and it got me on the road to coaching but I was no more than a, a keen eye and an assistant coach back those days because I was playing and uh, uh, by the time I started doing proper coaching I'd had 10 years of you know informal coaching under my belt really so um, uh, you know when people say oh, you, you know you, you're quite young to be a coach as we all are all three of us are relatively young in coaching the coaching terms I've probably been coaching since I was 16 so I'm not going to say that it's too young uh, to start but uh, equally get as much out of your own own playing as possible you're not going to you know uh, be the coach of a national team at, uh, at 16 are you Lavers? but this, it, it, I guess it depends how you define what a coach is and, and uh, as Gareth was saying coaching doesn't necessarily start when you've got that piece of paper and you've got the under 11s the club under 11 standing in front of you. Um, you you can you can coach without any um uh, official qualifications um just do, doing it informally right and then you can build from there so you know 16 is a great way great time to start isn't it absolutely and it sounds like the Deepak's doing it for the reason that he, he wants to be a coach long term and that's the the career path he would like to go down and if that's the case then the more experiences you can get now the more set sort of steps ahead you're going to be of other people by the time it comes to the formalization of that process so when you then become a qualified coach whether it's 18 or 21 or whenever you go through that process and and get your actual qualifications in place or you start picking up qualifications and you start taking on 
coaching responsibilities, you're going to have a wealth of experience you can be drawing upon, whether it is very simple, as Gareth said, as being a teammate to someone and just offering a bit of support and being a set of eyes for them or giving a little bit of advice or just opening up some, some conversation about their game. Or maybe you actually try and have a little niche role in, within your team and you might have a, a head coach who runs things and you just sort of say, right, can I take on the fielding responsibilities? Can I be like organising the fielding drills and things like that? And that's the way a lot of people do start initially in that informal role. And then as time develops, they, they kind of get qualified and they start taking on a bit more seniority. And when they do arrive there, they've got a whole wealth of experience of other diff- or different skills under their belt which are going to stand them in good stead come um, the moment that, that head coach role or whatever it might be appears. I, if I could um, go back to my uh, 16-year-old self and, and give some advice, I'd, well, I'd probably be there for hours, but um, one, th- one thing I'd say <laughs> is... Um, Get the get the skill the coach the skills required for coaching. Get get working on them because they're things which you know you can you can work on in uh, when you're helping out with um you know with the fielding drills or whatever you you can ha- do them. So um you know make sure you can throw with a sidearm. Make sure you can give the ball a good whack with a skyer. Make sure you can throw the ball onto a onto a catch it from lots of different angles. Practice your left left handed throwing. You know do. Get, get be the best um, nicker in the team because you know you're the one that you're the one that always puts your hand up to to edge the ball to the slips when you uh, uh, when they want to do slip catching practice and and those those skills there those coaching skills that do require a bit of work and a bit of practice and the more you do the better you get those are things that you can start at any time and those are things that are going to stand you in good stead for years and years and years and it I didn't do that for a long time and uh, you know I'm I'm still playing catch up a bit on some of those so I'd like to I'd I'd like to go back and advise myself to start working on edging the ball which is a funny thing to say but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I heard you were the best edger in the team David <laughs> yeah probably was actually but yeah not 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 to order unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next question is from a, another uh, young person, but they're, they're asking uh, a, a more of a cricket playing question than a coaching question. Uh, it's from Nalaka, and Nalaka says, I'm 14. How do I know if I'm going to be good enough to play state cricket? <clears throat> Great question, though, isn't it? You know, that's... Um, how do you know? Well, I think the answer is you, you don't really... <laughs> at the age of 14 there'll be some indicators you know which will be how many runs you scored how many hundreds how many fifers how you've done when you've played in cup finals say uh, how you've done when you've gone to trials how you've done when you've been playing in the age group um, district stuff those will be the indicators and they're the performance indicators really but um, there's been so many players who have dominated at under 14, under 15 level that haven't gone on to become uh, the player that they may have been lined up to be, I suppose. So at 14, I would say nobody knows whether they're going to be good enough. There'd be a few indicators, but equally some of those indicators that we've seen, and I'm sure it's the same for all of us uh, here, um, uh, haven't necessarily turned themselves into the finished article for state or county cricket or professional cricket. So I don't think you can know. You, you'll have some indicators, and, and that'll often come from 
the output of the games is is the starting point of it because the runs and wickets are your currency and how they line up against people other people that are competing for the same thing is, is the currency which will determine whether you get there or not but the key thing for me is, is the behaviors now we've got we've got a group of 12 young players young professionals out here um there are some who have got some they're all good players, otherwise they wouldn't be here. But there's some that have got some very mature uh, behaviours around the way that they have trained, and and there are some that we've hoped to impart a bit of our experience upon, so they can make some better decisions around their behaviours in training and preparation and and all of those sorts of things. That they're the key sorts of. Uh, areas for me how you prepare how you train how you challenge yourself how you deal with with adversity how you deal with failure these types of things are the uh, will often uh, be the differentiators between whether you end up being good enough or not as long as your runs and wickets um you know are competitive against the peers that are trying to do the same thing and that's an important point, isn't it? Because the runs and the wickets are are clear to see when someone's doing well, but you can't, you're not fully in control of those things. You're not, those are things which you haven't, you can't necessarily make choices over. You, you want to go out and score 100 every time, but you might come against up against a bowler who's much better than you on the, on the difficult wicket and you nick off first ball. Well, you can't do anything about that very, very much. I mean, you could train a bit harder, I suppose, but you know, <laughs> you're always going to nick off at some point. Uh, so... I think when we're talking about uh, behaviours and, and mindsets and those and around that, around that internal stuff, the stuff that you can make a decision about, then um, that's where you can make the biggest impact on your game. And if you look after those things, then the other things tend to uh, look after themselves rather than you, um, rather than you worrying about the runs and the wickets, and then and then hoping the behaviours will, will, will come. That's not really the right way around to do it, is it, Lavis? My my feeling was, uh, as we said, you, like, you don't know if you're going to become a state cricketer, but you can you can have those behaviours. You can act in the way that is going to be conducive towards becoming a, a, a cricketer. So, as you've said, absolutely there. If you focus on the processes that are going to help you score more runs or the things that are going to help you take more wickets or the things that are going to make you be um, a smarter cricketer or your the things that are going to make you be a better athlete and all those different kinds of things if you can focus on those things you're putting yourself in a position where things have got a chance of happening and it might be for, for some people that just they just don't get close enough and, and others sail through it and before they know it, they're playing international cricket but you can give yourself a chance by doing the right things uh, consistently um, and rather than worrying about any other other things out there, which which could just be noise and could be interfering with your potential ability to to achieve what you want to achieve. So, um, one of the things that was brought up this weekend at um, the England Women's Academy was um, uh, the idea of, sort of potential um, and potential minus um, distractions or potential minus um, noise, or depending on how people want to phrase it. I know it's been put together in a number of ways but um, you can reach your potential and it's just other things blocking you getting in the way causing distraction and things like that so how close can you get to your potential based on the behaviours you've got it, it sounds like we're sort of avoiding the question because I can I can just imagine that I could think say thinking themselves yeah 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 all that stuff but but am I good enough yeah <laughs> but am I good enough like have I got the ability have I got the talent you know you know I've I've spoken to players like that you, you know you explain it like that and you say look this, you know you you've got you've there's things you need to do but you know you, you, 
keep keep working hard and you never know those kind of things is not a very satisfying answer you know can i can i have that bit of cake yes or no <laughs> but um, but yes if you are listening and feeling frustrated to that answer it's not it's not trying to avoid the question it's not weasel words it's it's the truth i think i, I think it's a deeper truth than just saying to somebody yeah yeah you're definitely good enough uh, just work hard or uh, i don't i don't think how hard you work you're going to make it you just haven't got the raw talent those are two those are two extremes those either or extremes are, are very rarely helpful and they're definitely not helpful in, in this in in this example when you know you haven't even seen a player so how can you possibly say but um if, if you're putting in if you are putting in the work and you are focusing on the things that you can do something about then you're giving yourself the best chance and that's all we can really say if we're being honest that's all we can really say I think sometimes you've got to look at it as well and line up what your um, opposition is and what your competitor, competitors are um, because you could be a really good player that in most year groups or most um, phases, decades, you could be the best player um, in your squad or in the you know surrounding areas to get up into a squad. But equally, we have these talent sort of booms, don't we, where there can be an amazing side which have got three or four players that all do the same as you, and you might end up being the fifth one in your particular area um, as well. So there needs to be a bit of luck around that. I mean, that is that is luck. Um, I can remember a really good wicketkeeper um, being around at the same time as I was around and also another lad. Well, you know, 10 years later, we didn't have any wicketkeepers after I retired and another lad retired. We didn't have any wicketkeepers. Then the, then the third kid would have been the best person at that time if he'd have still been playing. So it can be a little bit of luck, I suppose, along the way, as well as doing the things that um, you can do to make yourself as, as good as possible. The other thing off the back of that is is getting uh, having a look around other places. So Adam Gilchrist is a great example of somebody who looked in his area of New South Wales and said, I'm not going to get a go here. And then he moved over to Western Australia to, to go and um, go and play and look what that did did for his career. Um, so sometimes you've got to look at what's around you as, and the blockers that are in the way and have to move around them. And other times you just got to work a bit harder and and uh, and see if you can get yourself to be the number one um, cab off the rank. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely bang on there, Gareth. And I would I'd add to that to say that um, sometimes you can shift things you can shift things around by we had a player who um at, at club level it was but it's still you know it was it was still a, a great achievement he start he started as a wicketkeeper and an opening batsman uh, and realized that uh, he, he wasn't required to keep wicket anymore so he spent the winter teaching himself how to bowl off spin and then the next year he um he was the top wicket taker in the club so <laughs> you it shows that you know there's there's always things you can do if you think about it brilliant. yeah i mean it, love that yeah it was and it was and it was brilliant you know so it, that is a good story and you know that story continues as well so it'll be interesting to see what happens now we are now we are a team with um with four um Spinners who could all play first team cricket. How is he gonna? How is he gonna fit in there? Because he might not be the first choice, or even the second choice, or even the third choice spinner anymore. So it's come full circle for him. So yeah, that'll be interesting as well. But the point is that you know there's always things you can do, and it comes back to that. You know, focus on what you're trying to do and 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 get stuck into it, and and hope you get that little bit of luck that that goes your way, and and you never know what's going to happen. Just give yourself the best chance. 
And that's just about all we've got time for on the show this week. Before we go, we are just going to decide on the winner of the competition, the online coaching course from Pitch Vision Academy at pitchvision.com is up for grabs. And the two questions this week were Deepak's one about coaching at 16 and Nalaka's question about being good enough to play state cricket. Which one did you prefer this week, Garris? I'm going to go with Nalaka's one, actually, because, you know, whilst it's not an easy one to answer, and we probably didn't answer it in a definitive fashion, um, it's it's a question that I think a lot of people want to know the answer to. Certainly, a lot of the email traffic that we get through is linked to this. Um, so it was a good one to discuss, even though we can't give you a definitive, I'm afraid, Nalaka. What we can do is give you the opportunity to have one of the courses. Fantastic. And Garris, how can someone who's listening to the show uh, get in touch with us to have their chance of winning the prize? They can give us a call on 0203 239 7543 or drop us an email on coach at pitchvision.com. That's correct. There's other ways of getting in touch with us through social media. You can go to pitchvision.com and use the social media system there. Uh, message Pitchvision Academy to do that. Facebook.com slash Pitchvision Academy is our Facebook and our Twitter is at Pitchvision Acad. You can listen to the show every week by subscribing. Go to your favourite podcast app, do a search for Pitch Vision Academy and tap on subscribe. Or you can go to pitchvision.com slash academy and click on the podcast link for all the old shows going right back to show one. With the show notes, you can stream it, you can download it, you can do everything there. That's all for this week. We hope you listen next week. But until then, have a good week. Cheers, Garris. Cheers, Lavers. Cheers, fellas. Cheers, guys.